0: Hello, my name's Ian Forth. Welcome to Sombrero Fallout, where we listen to alternative music through the lens of intriguing themes. guest on this week's episode of Sombrero Fallout needs no introduction to many of our listeners in Australia, England and the subcontinent, many other parts of the globe as well. He's been described as the finest cricket writer alive and he has a shelf full of journalistic awards to go with that very accurate claim. A glance down his bibliography will show you the breadth of his interests from cricket to investment banks, from true crime to the psychology of office life. On his website, Gideon Haig has listed things he likes and quite a few, the things I, and I know many of you as well, very much like, such as Sonic Youth, Patrick Hamilton, The Larry Sanders Show, Wake in Fright, Mike Atherton, Bill Bailey, Cologne Cathedral, Ronald Searle, I Claudius, Flan O'Brien, Middlemarch, Richard Yates, The Saints, Helen Partridge, Peep Show, Glengarry Gem Ross, Chris Tavare's Forward Defensive Stroke, Big Train, Philip Larkin, Wise Pink Flag, On the Beach. David Lowe, The Office, Lucky Jim, This Is Spinal Tap, The Thigvid, Peeps' Diaries, Bisham Bady and The Fall. Now, while Gideon is in the cricketing mainstream, I operate more on the borders, commentating on the world's leading alternative cricket radio station, Guerrilla Cricket, a community into which you would be most welcome to become a member, and preferably a Patreon subscriber as well. However... Gideon's taste in music, like mine and yours, is not mainstream in the least, as we are about to find out, but superb. First though, I regret to inform we experienced some technical difficulties before we could even begin. (laughs) <laughs> we've been having, listeners, yeah, we've, yeah. we've been having a few technical yeah. issues and the pump filter... It's balanced the, on the, the top the, of that folder. It's, it's, um, it's balanced on a couple of cricketing tomes. Yes. Uh, we won't be getting into cricket too much but we will be okay. getting into alternative right.
1: music. Over to okay. Gideon. Right. Uh, well, I had a conventional uh, Australian musical upbringing in the 70s. Um, I grew up in a, uh, a regional town called Geelong and... Uh, Countdown was a Sunday night institution, and I I think I pretty quickly outgrew that and began to explore uh, some of the highways and byways of uh, of alternative music when I first latched onto the Sex Pistols. And from the Sex Pistols, you can kind of range anywhere. Um, I first heard The Fall, which is probably the decisive influence in my um, musical education when I was about... 18, 19 years old. I had a girlfriend who was on a similar musical journey. She'd gone backwards from New Order to Joy Division. I was coming towards Joy Division from the Buzzcocks and she went and bought a copy of a Fall record. It was actually early Fall, uh, that compilation of, of early singles beginning with repetition. She put it on the turntable in her room. She said, "Oh, I don't like this." And I said, "Well, I do. <laughs> Where has this music been uh, my entire life? This—it sounds almost as though it was written with me in mind." So, uh, so I quickly accumulated a um, uh, suitable fallback catalog uh, to which I'm still in thrall, as you can see, Ian, from my uh, oh, from my phone case. It's induction, and, indeed, my. Um, which is the uh, kind of OER text of uh, yes, the Locus Classicus. The Locus Classicus, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I, I've ranged far and wide. I don't listen to the four all the time by any means, but it's the band that I always go back to, and it's um, it's uh, I, I, and I guess my my musical kind of tastes of my, my active musical interest has been revived in the last four or five years by my daughter. Uh, finding her way in music, she's she's 13 years old, and she's more adventurous than I ever was. Uh, you know, she's her preferred taste of things like um, Belarusian noise rock, uh, Molchat Doma. Molchat Doma, yes, indeed, yeah, huge Molchat Doma fan, and and multiple bands mm. from uh, fr- from Eastern Europe, all of course of which are available, at the, I think, at the scuffle of a few keystrokes on, uh, on, on Spotify. Uh, I, I have difficulty sometimes in explaining to her what it was like in an environment of scarcity to yeah. try and find that particular record. You know, it wasn't always sort of low hanging fruit the way it is for her at the moment. But it's been a great pleasure of mine to introduce her to bands that may have influenced the bands that she's interested in now. So, um, we do a lot of musical exchanges, and uh, we're both pretty proud of our Spotify mm. pedigree. And she's into vinyl, as you can tell. I'm I'm into vinyl as well. I've got a few yeah. vinyl records out on the on the desk at the moment. So yeah, it's. Um, that's the way it's gone. That's the way it will be. Mm. I've never really grown up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I'm a 57 year old <laughs> with sort of 13 year old's taste. That's right.
0: I always thought classical music would suddenly hit me one day, but it never has. Yeah, no, I still. Really, no, it it's funny thing, no. isn't it? Yeah. You
1: see, my mother's a huge classical music fan and a great mm. opera fan, and I've been to the opera and I appreciate the opera, but it's never going to be for me. No, it's-
0: no. It's never going to replace uh, New Face in Hell, which I exactly. believe is the
1: track is we're going to hear now. my first track? Yeah. 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 Should we, we start with that? We can start with New Face in Hell. That, of course, is off grotesque. Uh, the version that I really like, of course, is the one on Live at acklam Hall, Yeah. The, the legendary Chaos tape, because it's got yeah. that long, long intro. Uh, and the, I think the kazoo is even more pronounced <laughs> on, on that version than it is on grotesque. But any version is great. Uh, it's one of those classic... Mm-hmm. Stories within a song of yeah. of, uh, of of Mark e. Smith's that kind of takes you to the uh, to the edge of paranoia and back. Uh, so always been a favourite of mine. I mm. only I I restrained myself of only chosen one four track <laughs> for uh, for for today's seminar, but uh, but it might as well mm. be this one. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I guess influenced perhaps by the gift by the Velvet Underground.
1: Yeah, one would maybe. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite interesting to go back to some of. Uh, some of smith's influences you kind of after a while you do detect the influences you begin to think a bit like marquis e. smith a frightening a thought as that is <laughs> that
0: that is quite mm. scary okay we'll get into it now so from grotesque from 1980 um, we've already played a few tracks from this album you won't be surprised to hear um over the years this is the first time we'll have heard new face in hell <laughs>
2: Enthusiast intercepts government secret radio band and uncovers secrets and scandals of deceitful type proportions! A guest goes next door to his neighbour, secretly excited, as aforementioned was a hunter who radio enthusiast wanted friends.
0: Fall and New Face in Hell from Grotesque from 1980. Now, uh, my one of my very first gigs, which I know I've mentioned before, was the Locarno in Coventry, mm. and the bill was the Gang of Four supported by Pere Ubu and, oh. the, and the Delta Five. Oh. Now, um, played that night was the track we're going to be hearing from Gideon, but let's hear a little bit more about what the Gang of Four means to him.
1: Oh, just another kind of idiosyncratic discovery on my, uh, on my musical peregrinations. Uh, they're in my mind because when I was in England recently, we went to Leeds for the test match and we like to pay some sort of pilgrimage to, uh, to a place of musical interest. This is uh, my friend Pete Lawler and I, with whom I co-host the podcast Cricket Etc., and we went to the Corn Exchange,
0: yes,
3: which is Legendary where the uh,
1: where they uh, where the Gang of Four played their first gig. It's actually in a it must have been a downstairs area, uh, and I think a set list survives, and uh, there is some uh, some independent recollection of that uh, of that gig. And Pete and I, it? yeah, Pete and I have totally bonded over the Gang of Four. Uh, we bought that um, that cover album, The Problem of Luxury uh not the problem of place.
0: leisure maybe not the best place to start
3: but no no, no yeah. but,
1: we, but we did and and um i i le- heard the dandy warhols cover of this song oh, yeah? and i thought that's a great cover mm. and like all great covers it forces you to go back to the original and it's a great original so thank you to the dandy warhols for forcing me to rediscover the gang of four yeah yeah
0: well done to them mm. very good um andy gale funnily enough i think there's a theory at the moment that he might have been what is it, Agent Zero, or whatever it's called, in bringing COVID into the UK. Because he had this mysterious disease. Nice. He'd been touring China. right? And he came back, and no one knew what to do with him. And about a week later... Of course, the Gang Japan of Four died. would be touring China, wouldn't they? <laughs> of course, they, they would, yes. Yeah. I saw them when they were the Gang of One. I don't know when I mean, you saw them they last right. came over, when it was just Andy Gill, <laughs> plus three others.
1: is the Gang of Four are playing now, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are, yeah. Post-Andy well,
1: post Gill. How does that
0: work? It's, it's the Gang of Two now, oh. plus right. somebody who's... I don't know, imitating his guitar style, which must be... That's inevitable, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult to do. Um, From Solid Gold, from 1981, what we all want from The Gang of Four. (laughs) What we all want from the gang of four uh, from 1981 and what we all want is more Gideon Hague and he is going to be interesting <laughs> that was that was, pretty, that was pretty slick I think you'll agree it's not it's what like we
1: a, it's like oh, a, what it's what like a segue we- on cricket etc
0: <laughs> it's not what we usually do on this program um <clears throat> so making their debut on the program uh, Gideon is going to introduce us to a band who, naturally, we've never played before. So let's see what's up next, Gideon.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I'm always interested in bands or artists who I think are really sort of underrated or neglected. And I actually reckon that Graham Parker and The Rumour, who belonged to that kind of early, uh, that London pub rock tradition of the the first half of the 1970s that kind of gets swallowed up by the tsunami of, of, of punk, uh, is is well worth rediscovery. That first three albums by Graham Parker, uh, he's got a really hot combo around him, and he's the Rumour, the Rumour, and and the and the songwriting's absolutely first rate. Uh, there's a lot of tracks I could nominate off uh, off off that. I reckon Mercury Poisoning's one of my all time favourites. Well, probably the best song ever written about the music industry. Um, it ranks up there with music seen by the fall yes uh that high that high um but i love this one it's a very it's it he had an amazing kind of range of uh an amazing sort of uh, emotional terrain he was capable of songs of great anger and and quite uh, and great uh, uh, aggression but also very kind of Sad and melancholy, uh, low key tracks, and this is this is actually one of my favourites. It's one of the great breakup songs. Okay. Uh, between you and me, and uh, and I, I stand by it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Get into Graham Parker and the Rumour. They're the greatest.
0: There's, there's always, every, I think, every, we've all got blank spots on our yeah. on our radar, right. and that's okay. a bit of a black hole for me. Yeah. I really need to. I notice actually when you have a look through the. Um, top 10 albums in the NME from the late 70s, Punk and Post Punk, with Graham Parker's in there. Yeah. And I've always thought, I do need holding to explore his a own, bit. Holding yeah.
1: his own. Heat Treatment, hell and, hell and Wind, Squeezing Out Sparks, great record. Uh, stick to me, really pretty good record. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, this is why we have great guests like Gideon on the show. They introduce us to new music. This is Graham Parker and Between You and Me.
4: All I knew Are the lights in the harbor All I saw Are the flash in my head Yeah And that's all that's left Between you and me Oh yeah Say that's all that's left 20 Left between you and me, yeah, 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 yeah. Say that's I all that's left, left between. between you. Between You and Me
0: Between You and Me by Graham Parker uh, Now the next track I'm going to, going to hand over to Gideon and uh, I think this is an artist who features highly in every in most right-thinking people's uh, <laughs> pantheon of yeah. great late 20th and early 21st century artists over to you Gideon
1: Yeah, Polly Jean Yeah, there's no one like her. She's extraordinary, Um, and that wave of about five or six albums that she records, sort of in the late '90s up to about 2010, they're just absolutely indispensable. Uh, I'm not sure what she's sort of done since Let England Shake, but um, I've been a bit the, the the. Output's been a bit more spasmodic, but uh, but I love this track. Uh, If you're as emotionally self-destructive as I am, (laughs) uh, then uh, this is one absolutely for you. It's done in that it's it's sort of laconic and drawling and jagged and uh, and it's got all the all the hallmarks of a of a great track. Yeah, yeah,
0: great. Kamikaze, PJ Harvey from Letting Them Shake, I believe. Yeah, here it comes.
4: How could that happen, how could that happen again Where the fuck was I looking when all his horses come in And he built an army of kamikaze Ten thousand William pilots flying Interfacing space and beyond Build an army to come and find me
0: DJ Harvey and Kamikaze with uh, what do I say? false advertising in the introduction to that um, to that track. It yeah, is in yeah, fact.
1: The minute that you said it I thought uh, I shouldn't have agreed so hastily. It's actually from stories of the city, stories of the sea. But, but we love
0: us for our imperfections. Yeah. Now we're going to hear another great sombrero fallout uh, bands next. Take it away,
1: Gideon. No, I'm so glad to hear that this is a favourite of your uh, of your pod because it's um, it's uh, an abiding fascination of mine. Ever since I bought Pink Flag. Um, Probably soon after I discovered the fall and was kind of orienting myself in alternative u- music. What a great introduction to any band! And the amazing thing is that Wire has kept up the quality of their of their output throughout their storied career. I guess this is the kind of golden age this this the, the period of that that, that yeah. first three albums. But uh, but everything they've done uh, is, is is pretty extraordinary. They've got an amazing capacity for, uh, for for reinvention. Wire were actually. It's one of the great gigs I've been to. 2004, I went to see them at the Corner Hotel, having absolutely no idea what they were going to be like. Absolutely no idea. I thought, this could be terrible, this could be great, but at least I'll have been there. Yeah. Uh, And the first half they did uh, tracks off Read and Burn, Yes. fantastic. And then the second half, they just absolutely went back through their back catalogue and everything was fantastic. And I, my mate and I were there. We just looked at each other and we thought, oh, how lucky are we In to Clover. see these guys? Quite unusual the because they yeah. don't usually
0: do it. They usually yeah, only right. play their, their recent yeah, right. stuff. I went to see them at the corner a few years later and the guy next to me was, was getting really quite angry and upset.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they did, a, they did a fantastic cross-section and the, and the crowd obviously were total wire. Uh, aficionados so they were they were very excited. I bought a T-shirt that night. The T-shirt actually very quickly fell apart, <laughs> but uh, but I turned it into a wash bag. So I've been accompanied oh, cool. on tours for the last nineteen years by a wash bag with wire on it and the oh. tour dates on the other <laughs> side.
0: Thing is, when you hang out with cricket journalists, um, one or two are yeah. into alternative music, yeah. but. Chap like Mike Atherton, he wouldn't know his wire from his elbow no. no it's we lost did, on some of
1: them. Well we did explore this last year. I thought I finally got I've finally found a weakness in Mike Atherton, It's I'm his agree. taste in music which it's is absolutely non existent. Yes. But of course I work with Peter Lawler, who understands all my musical references and uh, yes. and we, we, we share a lot. So, uh, yeah, so that's good. so is uh, no mysteries to Pete. He's um, we, we have a very interesting overlap, but some very interesting kind of uh, independent sallies uh, we've both taken. So we're constantly learning from one another and constantly re- <laughs> um, reinforcing one another's prejudices. So oh, this is nice. uh, I Feel Mysterious Today from WIRE.
5: always when you're feeling quite bright and your filament burns I feel mysterious today everything is humming I feel mysterious today
2: Everything is humming loudly I feel mysterious today
5: Everyone is coming this way Going walking abroad Walking Mine is happy for Dog
6: Oh,
0: From Chairs Missing, from 1978, WIRE's legendary second album, tucked between Pink Flag and 154, that's I Feel Mysterious Today. Now, referring back to that uh, classic gig I I attended in early 1981 at the Locarno, where, by the way, Too Much Too Young by the Specials was also recorded live, number one, Um, we are going to be hearing from another band which I saw that night, Perubu, and uh, Gideon's going to pick up that story now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perubu, um, they were an early, another early discovery of mine to to whom I've retained great loyalty. I've only seen them once. I saw them in 1995 when they came to Australia uh, with Pennsylvania, I think was the album they had out at the time. And I went to see them and um, you never forget David Thomas, do you? no. He No. He, he was absolutely amazing. <laughs> he, he leaves had, an impression. He had this suit where he had kind of electronic drums attached to himself, and periodically he would hit himself with the drums to, to percuss. And later that night, I actually saw him in the pub that I went to afterwards to... I was too scared to go up no, to Don. <laughs> I don't think he was still wearing the suit, but he certainly looked like he was out for a, for a big night. Yes, uh, but I mean, just an absolutely amazing band. And Data Panic in the Year Zero is an absolute landmark in alternative music. Uh, I've chosen uh, Final Solution from it because uh, I love the story attached to it, where, whereby um, that this, this this title is allegedly inspired by the last Sherlock Holmes story, the oh, final okay, problem. Right, But in fact, ne- neo-Nazis <laughs> in Cleveland yeah. thought that it was would be a great idea to go and cheer a band along <laughs> <laughs> that was playing a song called Final oh, Solution. Sure be. So many layers of irony. Yes. but uh, You've but, got to be
0: so careful with irony. Oh, when yeah, in you, music. Do, you do. But,
1: uh, who can't love a band that, that has a line that says, Mom threw me out till I get some pants that fit. <laughs> she just don't approve of my same strange kind of wit. And a great guitar solo in this, one of the, one of the great yeah. uh, alternative guitar solos. So Final Solution by Peer Ubu.
0: Ubu and Final Solution, uh, again from the legendary early years of these fine bands. Uh, now, did we did I mention who we were going to go to next? Oh, I didn't. Are you happy to go to Big Black? Uh, you bet, yeah.
1: Away <laughs> you go. You bet, yeah. Now, they're actually a hard band to find these days because I noticed that, uh, obviously, Steve Albini's had some sort of argument with Spotify and they've taken their music off. Yeah. Well done, you, <laughs> for actually finding this, uh, this track. Yes, uh, thank you. Absolutely love everything. I mean, amazingly consistent. Short career, but great career. Produced a lot of great music in a relatively short period of time. Just two studio
0: albums. Actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but you know, um, songs about fucking um, atomizer. Uh, they're they're epic, absolutely epic records. There's no band that sounds quite like Big Black. The sonic impact that they've that they've got. Um, and they're kind of just unapologetic stance on, yeah. uh, on, on everything. Racer but, X is a great record too. And they, this is actually off Racer X. Uh, it's a cover, bizarrely. Uh, they did, did that, that. They had some great covers, actually. Okay. Of course, they did the model, the cover they of did the if We've seen that before, yeah. They did He's a Whore, cover of the Cheap <laughs> Trick song. which was yes. fantastic. <laughs> but this is a James Brown cover.
0: Oh, right okay yeah, yeah
1: and right. it's yeah. um it's funny and i, have, I have turned it up to 11 on this
0: i don't know whether you saw the recent interview that steve albini i gave did in the Guardian, actually i um, did when he's yeah. gradually realized that yes I, I was indeed a dickhead all those years ago
1: and i didn't know quite how to feel about <laughs> it frankly because i quite liked <laughs> the that, dickhead, yes. that old model steve yeah. albini uh of course he's probably more famous as a producer uh, these days, in, including of, uh, of of PJ Harvey, yeah. but in uh, Big Black and uh, and and Shellac and, uh, and 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 Rape Man, mm. uh, very very distinctive musician in his own right,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, great legacy, and um, the world will be the world will be a smaller place without Steve Albini. This is his band uh, when he was in uh, Big Black, and this is the big payback. That's the big payback from uh, the album Razor X from, of course. Uh,
1: <laughs> the Mighty Big Black. The mighty
0: Big Black. Now, uh, the next track we're going to hear is from a band I actually saw recently in mm. um, the Palais in St Kilda. Yeah, right. It was an acoustic okay. set and I very yeah, well, much enjoyed good it. Good
1: for you because yeah. I couldn't afford going.
0: Yeah, it I, was quite expensive. Far out! <laughs> and we were a long way back in the cheap yeah, seats.
1: I thought, yeah, actually I wouldn't mind getting this. Oh, hang on. No. Actually, I'd probably prefer well, I to it on, yeah, on record.
0: Yeah, I think that think the, I remember checking early on, yeah. and I think the cost came down a bit when they couldn't yeah, sell right. it out, right. so we okay. got it a bit later. Ah, okay, no. all right, yeah. Um, it's back.
1: Yeah, look, a very amazing, distinctive, uh, eclectic, um, protean singer-songwriter. Uh, it's actually no bad place to start in his oeuvre, because it's all kind of interesting. Yeah. It's all novel. That none of the records sound the same, but he no. always manages to find a groove.
0: I've seen him twice, and mm. both sets were completely unlike the yeah, other. I right. saw him in the late nineties, around about yeah, the same right. time as Odelay and Midnight, yeah, Midnight yeah. Vultures. Incredibly upbeat set, and yes. this was
1: very mellow and yeah, quite lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess this is, this is also this is kind of lo-fi. This is this is the uh, this is the low end of the uh, of the scale. But I played this. I reckon I played this song in the shower. For about six months, oh, wow. it's like my morning anthem. I'm very particular about what I play first okay. thing, and uh, I love this. I love this album. I love this. I love this song. It's uh, it's Gamma Ray by Beck. <laughs>
0: Gideon says, from the lo-fi end of the Beck canon, that's a Gamma Ray. Now, a quick anecdote about the next track. My son Scott uh, arrived back in the kitchen at home about midnight, little the worse for wear, and he said he'd just had an epiphany uh, because he'd listened to an album that he couldn't got get into before. He'd had a few drinks, he'd yeah. put his headphones right. on. And he said he'd had the most magical tram ride home. Yeah. And he was listening to the album Spiderland
1: oh, yeah. by the following group. Yes, yes, Slint. Uh, and, and he's right, yeah, very much an acquired taste. If you're sort of one degree either side of Slint, yeah. you cannot get into them. But once you're introduced to that universe, it does have a a, a, a very particular uh, valence of, of weirdness. I think this particular track appeals to me because one of my slightly more esoteric interest is polar exploration you can oh, see actually over yeah. there in the corner in my polar exploration catalog uh, and, you may uh, not
0: be surprised to know it interests me greatly. oh okay well. right okay right <laughs> well it, i mean of course, something about, this
1: always yeah. reminds me of sir john franklin's lost right expedition, expedition yeah, yeah, the, yeah the terror and the uh, and, and the erebus i wonder uh,
0: if it was based on that then I, I wonder
1: if it is but i mean yeah, it's just so spectral it's so uh um, it's so haunting. Um, it is. It's so lingering. You can't get it out of your head once you've, uh, once no. you've heard it.
0: Indeed, the, the singer, uh, allegedly, yes. after he'd sung it, had to be hospitalized yes. for a week.
1: Yeah. Have you seen that documentary about slint on YouTube? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, Good Morning Captain by slint, once heard, never forgotten. Absolutely right.
6: face was flushed and timid. He stared at the captain through frightened eyes. The captain reached for something to
0: From the legendary 1992 album *Spiderlands*, that's *Slint* and *Good Morning Captain*. Now for your last choice, Gideon. What is my last choice? Oh, okay. was. Your last choice is.
1: Oh yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Look, I mean, love this band. Uh, Love that period of uh, uh, New Zealand pop from uh, from Flying Nun, first half of the '80s. Uh, none did it better than the Clean, and there's no better track than Oddity. Uh, but you know, somehow everything from New Zealand is sort of wonky and off centre, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, exactly right. And yeah. no one made pop records as perfectly formed as uh, as, as this band. I first got into them. I think I I used to shop at a Go Go Records in um in the in the early '80s and I bought the Clean compilation from uh, from Glenn Terry who used to run. He said, "Oh, you really like that." Oh wow! And he was absolutely right. Uh, I've now got kind of a pretty comprehensive collection from the Clean. Yeah. Uh, one of Alan Bro, my mate Alan Bro's favourite bands, still actually doing great music. Well, not anymore, of course. because... Yeah. Uh, He's
0: a Kiwi, isn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because uh, of course uh, the lead singer's gone to God, but um, but. Um, once again, sometimes you, you forget about them and you just f- discover them by chance on Spotify, and it's like a it's like a beautiful palate cleanser. It's like mm. a beautiful sorbet. Uh, everything is perfect. Everything is in the right place, and it just leaves you feeling good. So uh, so the clean and oddity. Uh, <clears <clears <throat>
0: Well that's the clean and oddity and if you want to hear more from that great New Zealand period I would refer you to one of our early episodes, The Flying Nun and the Dunedin Sound well that brings us to an end of our musical peregrination with gideon uh terrific fun not only have i discovered we've got obviously cricket and alternative music in common <laughs> turns out we have a shared interest in polar explorations as well it's funny how these things work uh, i'm gonna hand you over to to gideon for the the last few words. What's happening in your life at the moment, Gideon? Uh,
1: well, it's pre-season at the Arras, which is great. So just started um, uh, going down to the Junction Oval for a, for a hit. Nothing like a period of uh, a long season ahead when you've come out of a long English season. There's always great enthusiasm around about cricket after an Asher series in England, and everyone was very excited to be back together again on Sunday. Uh, I've got... Uh, got a couple of book projects on the go. I've got um, I've got an Ashes book that's coming out in November. That'll be on the 2023 series, uh, which was thoroughly enjoyable. I've got a book coming out next week. Well, actually, it's not coming out. It's coming in. Um, it's uh, another one of my self-published uh, tomes uh, under the rubric of the Archives Liberation Front. Okay. It's a book called uh, The Girl in Cabin 350, and it concerns a fascinating disappearance from an ocean liner in 1949, a young woman called Gwenda McCallum, whose cabin was opened one morning and she wasn't there and no one knows what happened to her. So i so fascinated by the story. I thought the only way that I'm going to learn more <laughs> is if I write a book about it. So I have written a short book about it and it did take me to some absolutely fascinating places. Wow. True crime is, uh, is another one of my uh, uh, obsessions and, uh, and forms of expression. And this is a kind of a niche book. It probably wasn't big enough to interest a mainstream publisher. And I'm a bit sick of mainstream publishers anyway, so I decided <laughs> to do it myself. So it'll be coming in, 500 copies. They'll be landing from China in boxes in my kitchen shortly, <laughs> and I'll be selling them uh, from there. So uh, so if you're interested, um, have a look at my website, GideonHague.com, and, uh, and that will give you details of how to order it.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much for sparing time because you're an extremely busy man. Uh, you've yeah. got a lot on the go yes. all the time. Yes, next so book is already
1: that. underway. Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Um, it's been uh, an absolute honour talking to the greatest cricket writer, Alive, I think <laughs> I'm
3: still alive. <laughs> last time I checked,
0: <laughs> and uh, we'll be with you in a, again in a couple of couple of weeks' time for some more sombrero that. Thanks, Ian. Bye bye for now.